1: great to have you here on the clark howard show you know our mission our goal is to empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life and i want to thank you so much for listening i hope you'll subscribe if you like what you hear on today's episode i've got some hopeful news to share with you about the economy but before we get to that i know it's many listeners favorite segment all week It's called Clark Stinks. It's where you get to air your grievances about me and demand that I explain myself. So let's go. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid.
0: You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Okay, I'm a new listener, Clark, and I really like your podcast. You talked about avoiding using food delivery services like Grubhub and DoorDash and instead calling the restaurant directly. However, this doesn't always cut out the middleman. You should talk about how to make sure to call the restaurant directly, as often the phone number listed for the restaurant is actually a Grubhub or DoorDash number.
1: Thank you. That is. And that was Jason, sorry. Jason, thank you for that suggestion. And that is uh, something that I neglected to mention. That the key is to make sure that the restaurant gets a hundred percent of the money you're paying, instead of having a lot of it diverted to one of these food apps. That uh, I mean, you lose, and the restaurant loses with these food apps. So helping the restaurant stay in business and doing business with them directly is what I'm really trying to encourage you to do.
2: Joel? Clark, you stink. Amazon is not a money waster. I order from Amazon, and my stuff comes the next day. Thanks, Briggs.
1: Okay, that's so funny, Briggs. I am in the midst of something I ordered from Amazon that day after day, I keep getting these notices. Sorry, your delivery is delayed. Let's see what it's saying right now. Now expected today is the latest, which is what it said yesterday and what it said the day before. And so the message is, we're very sorry your delivery is late. If you've not received your package, you can come back here the next day for a refund or replacement. So that message keeps posting day after day. And it shows when I go to updates that uh, the package ended up uh, about... 10 miles from me sitting at a facility five days ago and still is sitting at that facility five days later that i think is an unusual experience with amazon so um krista is a big time amazonian since you have amazon delivered to your house five or six times a day now (laughs) What do you do in a situation like that? I know it's all your husband's fault. It
0: is. I have to tell, I have to call him out. The other day, (laughs) I received something from Walmart and he was like, I didn't. And it was like one of those ones where they actually delivered it to the door. They had a delivery person. He was like, I didn't know Walmart did that or you could order online from Walmart. I was like, oh my gosh, it's because you only look at Amazon. Um, But yeah, I mean, I haven't come across that, but I would use, usually their online chat is pretty good, and that's what I always use. Online chat. I don't
1: see that. Okay. You can tell me later. But anyway, um, Amazon is generally reliable, not always the cheapest, but in this case, they had an item I couldn't find elsewhere, and it seems I still can't get it, even from them. Okay, Krista, what you got?
0: Okay, I normally admire the advice you give, but this time you eagerly stepped in it and then tracked it all through the house. On January 11th, a caller asked you how to make a budget on an irregular income. I saw this as an underhand pitch, but was shocked that you seemed stumped by the question and then proceeded to give a poor explanation of a hill and valley account. Budgeting on an irregular income is based off the estimated lowest monthly income, then listing expenditures in order of importance, and then go down the list until the money runs out. And that was from Barrett, but I did have several Clark Stinks come in about that call.
1: I appreciate that. Were there any suggestions that were also other ideas besides the one Barrett made that you think are useful to share, or were they all very similar? Similar okay i appreciate that because that's an area of budgeting i've always had difficulty with with people with irregular income and that is a very good suggestion from barrett and other people that you take your lowest expected monthly income and base your budget on that uh that is obviously
2: very logical joel all right not really a stinks maybe uh Blowing off posts, I wonder why Clark never addresses prepaying a fixed-rate mortgage, especially with savings rates at an all-time low. I'm sure a good number of people are thinking about this. In all these years, how come no one brings this up? And Clark, don't you think this is worth addressing? Hopefully, you'll remedy this and help all those who are in a dilemma regarding what decision they should make in this regard. Uh, longtime listener and fan, Jeff.
1: Jeff, thank you. And actually, we do get a lot of people asking questions about whether they should prepay on the balance of a mortgage prepay principal, And so it is a decision tree based on what other debts you have and what uses you have for money you have available. So I don't want someone to destroy all their rainy day money, but if you have enough money in there and you're earning basically nothing on your savings— What you're paying on your mortgage, if you don't have other debts, is obviously going to be a higher interest rate than what you're earning on your savings. Using money to extinguish a balance on your mortgage, reduce the balance on your mortgage, would be an effective use of funds. As long as you don't put yourself in a position where you have no money for an unexpected expense. Krista?
0: Clark, I've watched you and listened to you for a number of years. It's frustrating when you use vague terms that are basically meaningless. You've done it a lot of times. Maybe even a whole lot. It seems like you do it every episode, but it may be only a handful or a fraction or a percentage of them. I can't believe a guy who counts his pennies so carefully does not choose his words as carefully. I really do appreciate your advice and I love your podcast. I gladly rate it a number of stars. Jeff in Arizona. (laughs) Thank you, Jeff
1: in Arizona. I don't know what to say if i waste a lot of useless verbiage while i speak i apologize i don't know that that's something that i do but if it is something i do it's probably a habit that after all this time i'll have a hard time breaking
2: joel all right reverend clark Thank you for preaching penny-pinching from your podcast pulpit. It's time to practice what you preach, though. You talk about the credit card roulette you pay with gas and travel and your cash back every six months card. As much as you cling to the idea of delayed gratification, the Fidelity card puts 2% into your IRA or your kid's 529 plan. Compound interest combined with delayed gratification and not having to do the credit card shuffle. What's not to love? Drew. Drew,
1: the Fidelity card is one that needs more love in the marketplace. I love what Fidelity Investments has done. And it's something that's burned me for years that Charles Schwab copied Fidelity, then decided, hey, this is costing us too much money, and and Schwab bailed. But the idea of having a 2% cashback card, that what happens with the 2%, is it's then money that you invest for your future is a fantastic double benefit if you have an account with Fidelity Investments. I highly recommend their 2% cash back credit card and go, as mentioned, 529 account, investment account, or Roth IRA. Yes, it could go traditional as well, but you know, I love the Roth. That is a great, great, great thing to use a credit card for is to build your future financial security. An odd thing to say about a credit card. Krista?
0: David wrote to you and said, I'm an ICU doctor. You said you weren't going out until 14 days after the second COVID vaccine. The original trial studied outcomes starting at seven days after the second vaccine, and you had an approximately 8 in 18,000 chance of getting infected in the following several months.
1: Well, I am sticking to the the, uh, 14 day thing because my wife who is not getting vaccinated as soon as I am is really worried about the risk of coronavirus to her and she's worried that the second I've got that second shot that I'm going to think I'm not Clark Howard but that I'm Clark Kent that I'm Superman and that I am going to be invincible and able to leap tall buildings in a single bound and that and go through just, an entire
0: warehouse club and <laughs> in less than five minutes. <laughs> yes,
1: actually, if you're—I mean—it's more fun to spend more time in a warehouse club. Anyway, that the the second I got that second shot, that I'm going to be out there doing everything, and she has requested that I wait till the full effectiveness of the shot is in place, and I am respecting the wishes of my wife and going to follow that even though i've seen the statistics from israel that find that even after the first vaccination there's a greatly reduced chance of coming down ill with coronavirus i'm going to play out the string and after i got my second shot i'm going to have a 14-day countdown on my phone and then look out costco look out sam's club Look out, Aldi. I'm coming in.
2: (laughs) Sounds about right. (laughs) All right, let's get to another one here, Clark. Uh, A lot of people commented on this whenever you bring up the minimum wage. There's always people that want to weigh in. Here's the one from Mike. He says, Clark wants minimum wage to be raised to $15 an hour or uh, the equivalent of $30,000 per year. It costs a lot more to live in, say, Manhattan than it does in Little Rock, Arkansas. So why not live it to each state uh, rather than creating a one-size-fits-all minimum wage?
1: That is a very valid point, and I've been thinking about that since that came up on Clark Stinks two weeks ago. And there are definitely differences. And so an idea that has been floated around is that we have a base minimum wage and then an urban minimum wage. But as an alternative, you do it state by state, and that's effectively what's been happening over the last 10 years is that states, anytime it's been put to citizens, citizens have always voted to raise the minimum wage in their state. And so the minimum wage is definitely going up at different amounts in different places, and maybe the whole idea of federalism, let that be done by the states rather than the feds, is an adequate response to what has been an inadequate minimum wage in many locations. Well, I appreciate your posts on Clark Stinks. I needed a little more um, anger today. We didn't have any anger. We had people being, being just so gentle and kind in their posts, and usually I'm used to more passion and more fierceness in it. So if you really feel like you need to really punch me hard, feel free to do so. If you want to be a kinder, more gentler Clark Stinks, well, go for that as well. And if you do have something you want to post, go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks. And coming up, how about some hopeful news on the economy? The economy has been the most confusing of any economic circumstance of my adult life Um, i was in college during a recession and recessions are part of a normal economic cycle up down up down up down is what happens with a free market economy it's just the economy we're in right now is so confused because there are people who are doing better financially than they've ever done a significant portion of americans are doing better financially than ever before at the same time roughly a quarter of americans are facing significant hardship some extreme hardship with hunger being a problem their children not having enough food to eat i mean this is such a split effect economy the likes we've never seen that i can recall and so as congress debates the next stimulus law there's been a lot of conversation about putting out more stimulus money to individuals and to families but there's a new report from the federal reserve the federal the the new york fed which is the like the junior federal reserve on what people have actually done with the prior stimulus money and so you've got uh, people who've received it 25 percent of people who've received it desperately needed the money that they, they were at financial disaster points and that money was an important lifeline then you've got of people, 75% of people, who actually didn't need the money. It was like money just falling out of the sky. So much so that a meaningful percent just donated their money to charity. Uh, More than a third saved the money because they had no use for it. And more than a third used the money to pay down debts they had. But voluntarily, not that they were struggling financially. And it's the nature of this particular event economically, which was based on a pandemic, not on a normal economic cycle. So I want to tell you that the particular nature of this economic event means that when we get enough shots in people's arms through the spring and we start seeing the semblance of normal life resuming, that will be a gradual thing. The, the coronavirus pandemic isn't just going to go poof all in one day, but it will lead to a steady opening up. And there's a lot of pent-up demand in the marketplace, to do things that people haven't been able to do, to go to concerts, to go do something so simple, go sit in a restaurant and have a meal, go to a bar, go travel by airplane, go to foreign lands. There's all this pent-up demand, and because a lot of people received money from the feds they didn't need, and a lot of people in the top 25% of income earners have been spending substantially less money than historically they have, there's a big reserve of money in certain segments of the population and a big desire to go out and do things again. And as a result, as the economy opens up, as people start doing things they've not been doing, The economic recovery is going to be amazingly strong. You know, as I said when this was unfolding 10 months ago, this was a unique economic event in our nation's modern history. That the economy was fine going into the pandemic, and there will be uh, dislocations from the pandemic And unfortunately, that is what's happened. A lot of entrepreneurs have seen their dreams crushed, their businesses demolished. And there will be other effects from it. Uh, There's been the tragic loss of life. We're approaching half a million Americans who've lost their lives. Um, There are people that are going to be the long haulers that have ongoing symptoms from coronavirus. But the overall effect is going to be a very strong recovery that will unfold over a number of months starting in the second half of this year and the job difficulties that people have faced those will be overcome starting uh, largely in the second half of this year and the opportunity for entrepreneurs to start their own business is going to be fantastic just the raw amount of vacant space in commercial settings retail restaurant um, it's going to create the seeds of the birth of many many new businesses as entrepreneurs who have taken it on the chin new waves of entrepreneurs will be able to get going again And again, this isn't like you go into a room at night and you pop on a light switch and then that room is bright. This is going to be a more gradual thing and we'll only realize in the rearview mirror that thank goodness the darkness of coronavirus is over. It's time for your questions that you posted for me at clark.com slash ask.
0: And Krista, what you got? Clark Sean in North Carolina says, Yo, Clark, I love your work. I'm currently driving my car till it comes close to dying. It's holding up so far, but I'm starting to think about my next car purchase. But I know you love your Tesla, and I hear you talk about it often. I know my next car will either be hybrid or electric. How do you feel about used Teslas? Would you buy one, and where would your top choices be to purchase?
1: So the thing with electric vehicles is there's been Tesla and pretty much everything else that nobody's paid attention to. And this is the year that starts changing because automakers are really getting their act together on competing with Tesla. And that's going to put price pressures on Tesla pricing as well as the battery costs keep going down and down and down. Uh, The longer that you procrastinate, the better the prices you're going to find on new electric vehicles and used ones. With a Tesla, depending on what year you'd look at buying used, you may or may not feel you're giving up too much going used. If you're really into um, vehicle driving automation, what Tesla calls full self-driving but isn't really truly full self-driving, If you really want the vehicle to do a lot of the driving for you, then the newest Tesla you can afford is the one you want. If just the enjoyment of driving a Tesla, which they're so much fun to drive, is what you're really about, then buying one that's got some years on it would be absolutely fine and would get you pretty much the whole experience of having a Tesla except for the driving automation. And Krista is a Tesla driver, new to Tesla. What percent of the miles you drive are you driving FSD, and what percent are you driving the vehicle?
0: Um, it's, probably, it's probably like 75% me driving. But when I'm on a road trip, I'm always putting it on. Whenever I'm on a highway.
1: So uh, the Tesla that I have is, in theory, supposed to be able to drive on city streets by itself, recognize stop signs, recognize red lights, all that. I find that it's still a work in progress. But when I'm on the freeway, even around town, it is absolutely fantastic at driving and drives much
0: better than I can. But you do need to pay attention for sure, because once in a while... It'll catch you by surprise. What have you had happen to you? Um, This one road trip I was on, on this particular highway, like there would be left-hand turns that went off of the highway, like for you to turn, and um, it kept thinking that it was supposed to go that way even though it was supposed to stay on the highway, and it was like, and then it makes horrible noises at you if you, you know, if you correct it or whatever. So I just correct it and take it out every time, but little things like that. (laughs) So
1: even on a a highway, you would not call it true full self-driving? Well, you it's always have to pay attention self-drive. Yeah, but I love doing it. I love it. Yeah. So really, that is the d- deciding feature to me with a Tesla is how important that self-drive is. If that's not a high priority for you, then going back model years is a okay. Joel?
2: Clark, let's keep talking about electric vehicles for a second. Winnie in Virginia says, I have a 2012 Nissan Leaf, and the battery has been degrading pretty badly. I went to the dealership, and it's going to cost $8,000 for the battery and then an additional $1,300 for the labor to put it in. So should I change out the battery? And is there another Not company? a chance. Not <laughs> a chance. Okay, Is there another company that can do it cheaper, or should she just get another car?
1: So Krista, Joel, and I all have experience with Nissan Leafs, And if you have an older LEAF, it's basically something you dispose of. That Nissan put in battery systems that were defective in those LEAFs, did not stand behind them as they should have, and so you just drive a LEAF till it's done. But absolutely do not spend the money to put in a new battery pack because
0: Nissan let you down. Krista, you had to follow up. One more. Donna in Massachusetts says hi, Clark. Good news. I just wanted to let you know that Target has the large tube tube of Aim toothpaste with a twenty percent more bonus in the tube on sale for eighty nine cents. You're welcome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you didn't hear that segment, <laughs> oh, it was about Kate, my dental hygienist, uh, really pushing me to use this incredibly expensive toothpaste called paradontax I think is what it's called and uh, it's I mean it's a fortune and I've been using AIM which I buy for uh, typically between 88 cents and a buck for a 5.5 ounce tube and so I reached a compromise with Kate that I use the paradontax in the evening And use AIM in the morning because she said it's most important that it be used in the evening. And so I have teeth that are like uh, worth their weight in, uh, gosh, what's more valuable than gold? Platinum. Using that Paradontax, I mean, you might as well think of your teeth as being worth platinum money. So the AIM works great and it costs like nothing. And thank you for the deal. And thank you for joining us on today's podcast. And I want to tell you that anytime you enjoy a podcast, I want to have you give me the feedback. But more important, I want you to give me feedback like you did earlier with Clark Stinks. When you feel that something you heard me say was uncool, wrong, incomplete, or whatever it is where you feel I could benefit from your knowledge, please go to clark.com slash clarkstinks.